0: Today's Issues continues on AFR with your host, Ed Vitagliano.
1: And welcome back, folks. Ed Vitagliano sitting in for Tim Wildman this week, joined in studio by Fred Jackson and Chris Woodward. By the way, folks, it is Wednesday, January 12th, which means you have 346 shopping days before Christmas 2022. So you better get busy out there. That time will blow by before you know it. So anyway, I've got all my Christmas shopping done for this year. And you better get out
0: this weekend if you're living in northern Mississippi. Yes, because we're supposed to get snow. Before Sunday. 80% chance of a snowstorm. Now, for those listening in other parts of the country, especially north of us, so what? Yes. (laughs) Yes. But it's a really big deal when you live in a town that only has one snowplow. You just
1: don't know what it's like down here. And for those of us who grew up, like Fred and I grew up, where did you grow up, Chris? You- uh,
2: I'm actually from a town not far from here named Amory. Okay, you're from Amory. Yeah. All right, so local. you don't count.
1: All right, Go so. Panthers,
2: Seminoles, <laughs> Tigers, everybody I forgot to mention. For
1: those of you who uh, were born and grew up north of the Mason Dixon line up north, Fred from Canada, I'm from New England. Uh the, the amount of snow we get here is laughable <laughs> but is, but it is more catastrophic than the big snowstorms when we were growing up Fred because That's right. People I, I, in fact I'm guessing that if I went to the grocery store right now right now Wednesday before mm-hmm. the Sunday snowstorm there's probably no bread or milk.
0: Bread and milk will be <laughs> gone by five this evening, folks. <laughs>
1: uh people do when you're not used to something, it, it, it can be frightening. And so anyway, uh that's what we got. We're looking forward to this uh this weekend.
2: All right, Chris, where do we go from here? Well, let's uh let's be sure to include this because we have spent many a segments on this year program talking about the you remember the letter. Uh, that the National School Boards Association sent to the White House saying, hey, people are being mean to us at the uh, meetings, and we want you to intervene and do something to stop this because we fear for our lives and that kind of thing. Uh, The White House got involved, so did the Justice Department, to the point that Attorney General Merrick Garland said, we're going to have the uh, FBI investigate parents for uh, things going on at school board meetings. Did they
1: ever use, by the way, uh, domestic terrorists? Yes. Yes.
0: They, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, they use that term.
1: That yeah. term, that, they, that's the letter you're talking They about.
2: since kind of uh, took that back and said, well, we use some language that wasn't, it was strong language and we shouldn't have used those kinds of things. But nonetheless, you know, the the horse had already been let out of right. the barn and the, uh, the problems ensued from there. One of the groups that's really been speaking out against this is Parents Defending Education, which I've interviewed, so has Bob Kellogg, our uh, education reporter at American Family News. Parents Defending Education put out some information. Uh, it says they've got a new freedom of information Act uh, document obtained by parents defending education that asserts the letter was drafted at the request of the education secretary himself and that proves or adds to the argument that there was this close coordination between the National School Boards Association and and people at the White House that are members of the Biden administration to all get something done about this, so that way we don't see the stories of Loudoun County and Fairfax County, Virginia, and the ones in Texas and California. So the Secretary of Education is
1: uh, Miguel Cardona? Yes. Is that right? All right. So, Fred, tell us what this means here. Does this mean – I mean, it's probably too far-fetched to call it a conspiracy, but it seems clear – if this turns out, this is a fact, or is this what it appears to be? This is information that is now being looked at?
2: Yeah. Parents Defending Education has tweeted this. Uh, they've got an image on their tweet. Uh, it says, I would love to talk with you about the letter that we are all getting together this weekend. Okay. At the time, no. You know, they go on and so forth. So the, the fact appears
1: to be that the Biden administration, through the Secretary of Education, asked this group, to request the letter, is that how this works out, or do I have that back? Yeah,
0: this is this is troubling. Just just imagine if we were still in the Trump administration, and Trump's education secretary uh, wrote a letter to the school boards uh, saying, "You should start to treat people who come in advocating for homosexual books in the schools, treat them as domestic terrorists," and write the letter. I'm telling you as Education Secretary, I would like you to write a letter to the Attorney General of the United States and uh, frame it in such a fashion that these people ought to be uh, considered domestic terrorists. Can you imagine what the mainstream media would do with that? Right. But it took this FOIA request by this group, Parents Defending Education, to get this email that apparently came from Cardona, to the school board people. The school board people then are kind of acting on a request Mm -hmm. from the education secretary to write a letter to the attorney general, and it was noted at the time. Actually, the letter was written to Joe Biden, the White House. Within hours, the White House turned it over to the attorney general of the United States. Somebody noted that, you know, when somebody else writes a letter to the White House, it probably takes weeks if it ever makes it to Mm -hmm. the attorney general. But within hours, it goes to the Attorney General. Attorney General Garland all of a sudden says, yes, we're going to set up uh, we're going to make FBI agents available to go to these school board meetings to tamp down these parents who are upset about the curriculum. This, this, again, we've got a federal government, we've got a White House, a president that is willing to use the Justice Department of this country to go after his political enemies. That's well, where we are.
1: Yeah. And now in terms of the letter and the request and, and the conspiratorial way in which this all kind of rolled out, there's nothing illegal about it. No. Okay, folks, we're not saying that. However, it is bizarre and manipulative to, for the Biden administration to contact this group, school board, school, school board group. Yes. And, and, Ask them, yes. Hey, if you will write a letter to us, mm. it will look like you're really concerned about your life, about your life and what's going on at these school board meetings, mm. and then we'll get right on it and we'll go after these domestic terrorists and we'll intimidate them for you. It is bizarre. And the fact that and I'm not naive. I know that both political parties can oftentimes be manipulative. But not like the Biden administration. These progressives, and Chris, you can jump in here too if you want. These progressives have no shame when it comes to trying to manipulate the American people. This is, it's not illegal, but it's outrageous.
2: Yeah, I've said this before, and I'm pretty sure I said this the last time I said it. I've said it before, I'll keep saying it. If you are against babies, uh, you have no scruples. So if you are for the killing of an innocent being, a baby, uh, merely because it's an inconvenience, you have no scruples. Nothing will cause you to feel bad about yourself, whether it's calling a parent who uses his or her constitutional right to attend a school board meeting to say, I don't believe in this. You guys should do something differently. We're going to vote you out if you don't change. Calling them a domestic terrorist is not going to make them bat one eye. Well, it indicates
1: to me that the Biden administration wants to treat parents like domestic terrorists, oh, yeah. and they are using the letter that the mm-hmm. school board or association wrote right. as evidence that there's a real need for it. When the Biden administration requested yeah. it, it's almost like we want political cover to treat these parents like domestic terrorists.
2: Yeah. Now in. Even Joe Biden yesterday, going back to his remarks in Georgia, one of the things he talked about was combating domestic terrorism. And that has been a phrase that this administration has used. And we're not talking about, you know, members of the Klan or some kind of actual terrorist group that wants right. to overthrow the government and bring in some kind of ideological whatever. Those people are nuts. OK, we've denounced them ourselves on this program. The Biden administration and its supporters, wants to label anybody that doesn't agree with what they're doing, they want to label those people as domestic terrorists.
0: And that's wrong. And to go what we're just talking about, I don't know if you folks heard this, but yesterday the Justice Department announced that it has created a union unit focused on domestic terrorism. Yeah. this is
1: All right, now, now, now come again. I mean, we already have the FBI that goes after de- – True domestic terrorists. Correct. Okay. This is a specialized unit within the FBI?
0: Let me read the first paragraph of the Associated Press story on this. The Justice Department is establishing a specialized unit focused on domestic terrorism. The department's top national security official told lawmakers yesterday, Tuesday, as he described an, quote, elevated threat from violent extremists in the United States. See, this, uh, to go to my point just a few moments ago, we now have an administration, a White House administration, that is willing to use its Justice Department to go after its political enemies. Here's what's happening, folks. They are changing the definition of domestic terrorism. When we think of terrorists, we think of people with guns. Right. That are We think of the Tsarnaev
1: lo- brothers, the, mm-hmm. the Boston uh,
2: bombers.
0: bombers. All of those. That's what we think, and that's what it's been up to now. But now that definition is being changed. We know that. We know that the, uh, President Biden told his Secretary of Defense, we need to kind of weed out those people in the military who might have a tattoo that indicates they're kind of rebellious. I mean, right. this, this is what we're talking about. I, I don't think it was any accident that that letter, the initial letter that came from the school board group, used the term domestic terrorism. All that's been happening is that in Loudoun County, Virginia, you had the parents, when they found out their kids were being taught critical race theory, right. they show up at school board meetings and they say, we demand that we have a say in what our kids are being taught. Now, we know what happened after that. We had school board members saying, no, you don't have that right. Right. You don't have a right to have, have a say. We've got, I think it was, was it the author of the 1619 project?
1: Well, the governor of Virginia. I mean, this is, this is, this is their attitude towards
0: uh, parents. But, but the larger point is the Biden administration has redefined what people normally think of what a domestic terrorist is. I think to the point that anybody who speaks out against the government, you better be careful of your emails.
1: You know, uh, this is not unsurprising given the way the left, the progressive left, I'll just say the Democratic Party, because it's just about eaten up with these radicals, the way they treated the words white supremacy. Yes. After Charlottesville, you remember? Oh yes. They 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 go on this kind of verbal journey where you start with actual Perpetrators of racial hatred—you mm-hmm. know the the fourteen actual members of the Ku Klux Klan still in existence. Right. Okay. Uh, tongue in cheek, folks. Uh, you you start with that, and then you go to uh, the people who went to protest the taking down of the statue in Charlottesville. Then you go to President Trump's comments. Maybe he was not as articulate as he could have been, but he seemed to clearly state that he was not talking about, he was he was talking about true white supremacists who are bad people, mm-hmm. but that the people who wanted statues to remain were good people on the other side of this debate. He, what it was, like 30 times asked over and over and over again, do you denounce white supremacy? He said, yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. They called him a white supremacist, and everyone who voted for him a white supremacist Now they're doing the same thing with the words domestic terrorism. Same thing with insurrection. They are using certain words and then broadening the definition of what those words mean like a big net to catch their political opponents. And the fact that I don't trust these people in Washington, D.C. on the left makes me suspicious of this special unit. Oh, yes. Because I would be interested to hear how they – actually define what a domestic terrorist is.
0: Well, uh, the person, Assistant Attorney General Matthew Olson, is quoted in this announcement. He says, we have seen a growing threat from those who are motivated by racial animus, as well as those who ascribe to extremist anti-government and anti-authority ideologies.
1: Well, that's that's a load of nothing. Yes, but, I don't know what that what that means other than your political enemies.
0: But I think if you were to go to Mr. Olson and say, "Now, are you including Black Lives Matter in that?" Oh no, he would. Say, oh, of course not. Right. They just have the, an opinion on politics. That's all.
1: And not Antifa. That's just an idea. Yes. It's not a movement. There, there aren't real people. Mm. No, that is Trump supporters, conservatives, whoever the the whether it's Trump or not, the next nominee for the republican party they'll be included in this it's 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 stunning that we've come to the place that the weaponization of the federal government increasingly powerful federal government mm-hmm. could soon be turned against not just parents who show up at school board meetings but anyone the left doesn't like yeah
2: in other news <laughs> yes uh let's do this because i want to be sure to include um His response to this, you know, yesterday, um, Dr. Anthony Fauci, along with the head of the CDC, appeared before members of the Senate for a committee hearing talking about the new variant and covid policies and stuff like that, Um, as is often the case these days. Senator Rand Paul had a lot of things to say and a lot of things to ask of one Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci actually took uh, time to basically criticize Senator Rand Paul for all the negative attacks against him, including Dr. Fauci. Uh, said that uh, there was a, an attempt or a plot to kill him, talking about Dr. Fauci, and Dr. Fauci blamed Senator Rand Paul for all of that. Clip 13. What happens when he gets out and accuses me of things that are completely untrue is that all of a
1: sudden that kindles the crazies out there. A person was arrested who was
2: on their way from Sacramento, and he was going to Washington, D.C. to kill Dr. Fauci. Go to Rand paul website and you see fire dr fauci with a little box that says contribute here so you are making a catastrophic epidemic for your political gain now i wanted to be sure to include this senator Rand paul went on the Ingram angle last night after all these uh hearing issues took place and this is what senator paul had to say about that particular case clip 14
0: wife and i have been assaulted and mobbed in the streets of dc i had a hater of president trump break six of my ribs i've had part of my lung removed i know what political violence is about i don't wish any violence on on fauci i do wish he'd be fired though because i think trusting the chinese is wrong i think funding that lab in china is wrong i think ignoring natural immunity is wrong but i don't wish him any harm i have been attacked and he's going to come and blame his attacks on me it wasn't fair it was a cheap shot Shot, but it was a cheap shot by a politician, not a scientist. Hmm.
1: Well, uh, you know, we played some uh, of uh, of Senator Ron- Rand Paul's mm. comments uh, yesterday, yeah. and this is becoming like a heavyweight heavyweight fight between you know, Ali Frazier. This or, is Rand Paul yeah. and Anthony Fauci. That you know, now Anthony Fauci is not a literal heavyweight; mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a small guy. But in terms of the uh, the rhetoric, this is. This is a heavyweight fight every time yeah. Fauci appears before the it's Senate. It's the
2: greatest thing that ever happened to C-SPAN and Senate <laughs> hearings featuring Dr. Fauci because no one watched them prior to all of this taking place. I will say that Dr. Fauci is really getting hammered today on social media. Uh, he said, you know, you're, you're doing this for your personal gain. And um, <laughs> people people pointed out all the uh, various uh, cover sho- shoots that, uh, you know, Dr. Fauci has been on the cover of virtually everything. Uh, Has for he the really? last couple of years, pretty much, Time, Newsweek, all kinds okay. of publications. There was a children's book about one Dr. Anthony Fauci and his love hasn't for medicine. He away, away
1: from publicity, in other words,
2: right? You know, he was even on the cover of InStyle magazine last year when we were all being told to stay indoors and wear masks. Uh, he was on the cover of InStyle magazine, sitting by his pool, like lounging back in the uh, in the Adirondack chair, unmasked. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, the the other thing that uh, that Rand Paul, in response yesterday, he said, you know, uh, Dr. Fauci is trying to blame me for this nutcase that was apparently right. going to Washington to do damage to mm-hmm. Dr. Fauci. He said, you know, uh, he, he <laughs> went back to the shooting incident in Washington, D.C. Remember, Republicans, there was a baseball game between Republicans, yeah. and there was a practice session. Right. And a Bernie Sanders fan went to that baseball field and opened fire. Yes. And there were several members of Congress who were injured, Republicans. It was
1: Steve Scalise, was Steve
0: Scalise, very seriously. Yeah. And Rand Paul was, he said, I, I was crawling between bases when all yeah. the shots were fired. But he said not one Republican blamed Bernie Sanders uh, for that incident. Right. They blamed the guy with the gun.
1: Yes, uh, Obviously and, unhinged.
0: Yes, and as uh, Senator Rand Paul said yesterday, what Dr. Fauci had to say yesterday was a cheap shot. It really was.
1: Well, I I think Senator Rand Paul has had uh, some legitimate, absolutely legitimate criticisms and important questions that he's been asking Anthony Fauci, and I, I'll just be honest. I have not heard answers from Fauci that satisfy me, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm glad Senator Rand Paul continues to ask him because yes. uh, this this man, Anthony Fauci, I know he has a fairly important position in the government uh, under uh, two administrations, but he has avoided answering important questions as clearly as he should if he's just going by the fact that he's a scientist mm-hmm. to, to Rand Paul's point about this as a comment from a politician, not a scientist. I still go back to that question when Fauci was asked about natural immunity, Mm -hmm. and he answered like a politician, not a scientist. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, Anthony Fauci, if you don't like it, answer the questions and answer them clearly because that's your job.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's also the job of a lot of the people that have access to him to just do their job. And say well okay you say that today but two weeks ago you said the exact opposite what changed why are you saying that now I just wish somebody would do that what we do is not hard okay you take what somebody said you get reaction to it and you put all that together if they if what someone told you was a contradiction to a previous statement ask them about it that's all you have to do but they okay okay they they never challenge these people Because they themselves, talking about the the mainstream reporters that have access to all these people, they, they love it. They embrace it. They want it to continue. And that's why no one ever pushes back in these White House press briefings except Peter Doocy. But he gets criticized because he works for Fox News and everybody wants you to believe that they're all domestic terrorists at Fox News. Right. All right, what else? We, you got anything we can cover in a couple of minutes? Yes. That's all we've got left. Let's do this. It'll, it'll wrap up something we have discussed a little bit uh, on the news. Governor Gavin Newsom has wanted to include or provide health care coverage for illegal immigrants in the state of California, which means taxpayers in California are going to have to pay for illegal immigrants, people that came here breaking the law and continue to do so. He wants to make sure that they have health care coverage at taxpayer expense i've got audio from california controller candidate Lanheed chin this morning on fox and friends talking about all this clip 15.
3: what gavin newsom is proposing is billions more in taxpayer money for a state health care program here that we have discovered over the last several years has paid out billions of dollars already in payments to people who aren't even eligible for the program in fact a recent state audit found that you had half a million questionable eligibility applications to the Medi-Cal program. So this is a program that's in desperate need of reform. It's a program that's in desperate need of being changed to ensure that it's actually doing what Uh, folks in Sacramento say it should be doing. And now the governor is proposing to add billions more in spending. So we've really got to stop and take a look at what's going on here and figure out what is best for the people of the state of California. What is best for people who are already on this program? And how do we really change things for the better? And I don't think the answer is, frankly, a huge increase in eligibility to make this program even bigger.
1: Fred, this is uh, and being without health insurance can be a, a scary thing. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm not, I'm not making light of that. Um, In fact, before I came to American Family Association, being in the ministry for years and years, I never had health insurance. Churches just couldn't afford it. Mm -hmm. So coming here to AFA was the first time I did that. It it can get a little hairy. Mm -hmm. Okay, I understand that, but this is what government does not do well. Mm -hmm. Okay, it spends so much money because it's not theirs, and they break things when they try to fix them.
0: Well, and the last thing you need when you have a budget that's already stressed on that front is to offer it to tens of thousands of people who broke the law to enter this country. Yeah,
1: that's right. All right, folks, that is all the time we have for this edition of Today's Issues. There is more great programming directly ahead on American Family Radio. I hope you will tune in, and I hope you will tune into this program tomorrow as well. Lord willing, we'll see you then.